uh, on this rainy Sunday evening. Uh, God is blessing us with some good rain uh, to water everything. And, of course, I'm so thankful that God's in control of the weather and nature and not us because he always gets it right. Tonight I want us to continue the study that we started a couple of weeks ago that I just simply titled Misapplied Biblical Principles. Misapplied Biblical Principles. This is part three. Before we started on this subject, we studied about taking scripture out of context and how that it becomes a pretext. And you can't do that. When it comes to what other people, what they say, you don't want to take what they say out of context and misuse those things. And so it's also true with the Bible. If we're not careful, we'll take Scripture out of context. We'll use Scripture to teach something that they don't actually teach. And so we must leave them in their context. If you're going to use Scripture, you use it the, with the same meaning that it had in the context in which you found it. Another mistake that we make from time to time, and I've made all of these and probably still do from time to time, just not on purpose, and that is we can take biblical principles and we can teach the truth on them, we can understand them, but then we can misapply them. And we talked about last week, I believe it was, how that Job's three friends, they taught a lot of truth when they met with Job, but then they misapplied so much of it to Job and really accused Job of things of which he was not guilty. And so, having been asked to listen to a message that was given on April the 5th by a well-known preacher in the Brotherhood to uh, examine it and, and to learn from it, I realized that this brother, in an attempt to justify the eldership stopping the public, the public assembling of the church on the Lord's Day, he took some principles, very good principles, he explained them very well, but then he misapplied those principles. That's something that we don't want to do. It's very easy to do, and many have done the very same thing that he did, but I thought since I, this has happened and under the present conditions that the church is in and the things that we've just recently uh, lived through and the challenges that faced us, and even still today, I thought this would be a, a good opportunity to use this as an example of how we should not misapply scripture to justify something that we're doing, but also it gives me a good opportunity to teach on uh, how we are to study the Bible correctly, but then it also gives me an opportunity to preach on assembling on the Lord's Day, which we always need good lessons on assembling on the first day of the week as we've been commanded. And so we want to look at these five principles that he misapplied. We've already noticed the first three. And so we have two more that I would like to cover tonight. The first one that we covered was taken from Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. And it's the principle of love and concern for others. The Bible teaches us that whatsoever we would that men should do to us, we should do even so to them. It's known as the golden rule. Treat others the way you would like to be treated. We also notice that he used the, misused the principle of the Old Testament quarantine in Leviticus chapter 13 where there were certain people who were to be quarantined that 
uh, had symptoms of leprosy or those that had leprosy and we saw how that was misapplied and then the principle of consistency you know something beautiful about truth is it's always consistent anytime you hear inconsistencies in your speech or in your teaching know that you've got something wrong because truth is very consistent and so tonight we want to continue with an, the fourth principle that I believe that he misapplied and that is the principle of autonomy now as he deals with this principle he starts off first of all bringing up several hypotheticals okay that's something that people seem to like to do um, for various reasons here are some of the hypotheticals he used just to begin this idea of autonomy first of all he asked well what if a, a convict escaped and as you were driving to the church building, I'm just paraphrasing give you the general idea of these hypotheticals as you start getting near the church building you realize that the police officers have blocked off the whole part of town where the church building is located well what would you do would you still go into the church building and assemble or or not another one what if anthrax is in the church building somewhere and authorities tell you that you can't go in what do you do well I mean that happens every day doesn't it another one was what if Muslims planted bombs around the city would you still assemble to worship God on the first day of the week and then of course what if a hurricane comes and and sometimes that does happen that's probably not as much hypothetical but in the past when hurricanes have come this way many of us have assembled in the building because it was one of the safest places in Baldwin County to meet but you can see the idea it's kind of like for years you've heard people say well what if you know when they start that what if you, you pretty much know they're out of soap as brother Cates used to say in other words they're they're about done what if what if a man was in an airplane and he's flying over this deserted island and there's no one there and the plane crashes and it doesn't kill him but he's not a Christian but he as he looks through the the things that are still left over from the airplane he finds a Bible and he starts reading that Bible and he realizes he has to be baptized in order to be saved. But there's no one there to baptize him. What does he do, preacher? What does he do? Or you've always heard the one about the fellow that's been studying with someone and he's, he comes to the church building and he's ready to be baptized and he starts towards the baptistry and he slips and he falls and he hits his head and he dies outside the baptistry. Is he going to heaven or not? When somebody starts that what if with me, I'm like, here you go again hypothetical that doesn't prove anything does it no what matters is what the Bible says that's what matters and so I actually wrote this brother a month and a half ago probably and of course he has not responded uh, to my concerns my letter that I sent him uh, but so I asked him some questions like do the members at the congregation where you meet do they have COVID-19 I mean, if the members have it, that's something to consider, right? But we don't have it here. Is coronavirus in the church building there? I mean, if coronavirus was in this building, we certainly wouldn't be inviting you in where the corona was. 
any more than we'd invite you in if anthrax was in here. Uh, we would meet you outside, but we would still assemble, right? Have the authorities locked the doors of the church building? Do you still go out in public? Do you go to Walmart? Do you go grocery shopping? Do you go to the pharmacy? Does anyone in your household go to any of these places? Do you consider assembling with the saints on the first day of the week as a non-essential, perhaps? He also mentions a church in Texas that you heard about recently where there was a shooting in the church and I think uh, a couple of people were shot, even killed, members of the church, and also the, the person the, uh, that was shooting also was killed uh, during that time. And so he mentions the church in Texas where the shooter uh, killed the members of the congregation. And, the, and the, he, then he says, And the elders canceled the service for the rest of the day, and as far as he knew, no one complained. Well, I reckon not. You see where he's already going? You see where he's taking your mind? My question is this. When that horrible tragedy took place in Texas, did all the churches of Christ cancel their services for the rest of the day? Should they have canceled their services for the rest of the day because there was a tragic thing that happened in Texas? New York City was a hot spot, right? We can't deny that. But Fairhope was not. Here are some quotes from his sermon that I believe are very revealing where the problem lies. Elders can't change God's command. Very true, right? They don't have the authority to do that. But when judgment, notice that, comes into play, God has put matters of judgment into the hands of elders. That's a true statement, right? That's where elders rule, in the matter of judgment, in the matter of expedience. They don't rule when it comes to God's word. They, they work to enforce it, but they don't, they don't tamper with God's word, God's commands, God's law. Another statement. Here's a point that I am making. It comes down to a matter of judgment. Whether you assemble on the Lord's Day or you don't assemble on the Lord's Day during this time is a matter of judgment. The second thing, we have not canceled worship, we merely relocated it. Well, they had people stay home and worship online, is what they did. But here's the point. When elders are forced to make a difficult judgment call, they have the authority of God behind them, Hebrews 13, 17. That's a, those are tr that's a true statement as well. Here's the problem though. This brother, as well as many others, believe that assembling together for public worship during this present distress is just a matter of judgment. If it's just a matter of judgment, then what people in the brotherhood have done is okay, if it's a matter of judgment. The problem is, is it a matter of judgment or is it a command for us to assemble on the first day of the week? 
Well, we've noticed several scriptures in the past. I want to look at a few of them briefly again. What does God say on the matter? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 18, the Bible says, For, for first of all, when you come together in the church, they were to assemble, they were to come together uh, to worship God. First Corinthians, that's 1 Corinthians 11, 18, 1 Corinthians 11, 20. When you come together, therefore, into one place, they were assembling and partaking of the Lord's Supper in the context. Notice, they were to come together into one place. Not divide up in different homes, but come together in one place on the Lord's Day. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 23. If therefore the whole, notice this, the whole church, which would be the whole congregation, be come together where? Into one place. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. While on the first day of the week, because they were already assembling to worship God as they had been commanded, where the whole church is to come together in one place on the first day of the week. We have another example. This is an approved example. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. The Bible says, Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, that was something they were commanded to do. They could not partake of the Lord's Supper on the second day of the week, the third day of the week, the fourth day of the week, the fifth day of the week. For years we've been making arguments that every week has a first day. Therefore they came together on the first day of every week. They all came together in one place on the Lord's Day to assemble to obey the command that God had given. Of course, while Paul was there, he preached unto them ready to part on the morrow and continued his speech until midnight. And then we have Hebrews 10, 25, which seems to be giving a lot of people in the church a lot of trouble right now. But it still says the very same thing it's always said. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so what has God said? God has said that we are to assemble together in one place on the Lord's day to worship him publicly. It's not a matter of judgment. For us to have decided not to assemble when there was no imminent threat, we did not have the virus in here. We didn't have any of our members that had the virus. You know, we would have been simply forsaken the assembly. because we could have been here and we chose not to be. Now, when we talk about, when we talk about autonomy, okay, and that, that's the principle, he just called it autonomy. The word autonomy is defined this way, the right or condition of self-government. The idea is that each congregation is independent of the other. You see, like in the Roman Catholic Church, they have a hierarchy. And so you have bishops that are over many congregations. And then you have people that are over the bishops. And it works its way all the way up to the Pope, who's over the whole Roman Catholic Church. Well, the Church of Christ, God did not design it that way. You see, God designed, he is the designer of, of the church and and he designed for each congregation to be ruled over by elderships. Not one elder, not a pastor. Many denominational people have pastors over their churches. A pastor really is the same thing as an elder. It's a bishop. It's an overseer. It's a shepherd. 
there is to be more than one, a plurality of elders over each congregation. Notice in Acts chapter 14, verse 23. And when they had ordained them elders in every church, you see that? And had prayed with, uh, prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they had believed. And so they ordained elders in every church. There's to be a plurality of elders that are to rule over, to shepherd. Acts 7, uh, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. That's the eldership. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable unto you. And so elderships are to be over congregations and the congregation is to submit to them in these areas of expediency in the area of judgment 1st Timothy chapter 3 verse 5 when Paul is given those qualifications uh, for men that, that men must meet in order to become elders he mentions in verse 5 1st Timothy 3 5 for if a man know not how to rule his own house how shall he take care of the church of God if you can't rule your own house, how can you rule the house of God? And so each church is to have a plurality of men who meet the qualifications that God has set forth in Titus chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 3, to oversee, to feed, to tend to the church, to take care of it. But that eldership has no jurisdiction, has no authority over any other congregation. Each eldership can only rule over the congregation where they worship. And notice this. I've always seen in the way God set up the church, I have seen his infinite wisdom. Especially in times like these. Because of the autonomy of the church, other elderships from other places could not shut our doors because of coronavirus and tell us that we cannot assemble on the first day of the week to worship God. Actually, our own eldership does not have the right to tell us that we cannot assemble collectively on the first day of the week as God has commanded because it's not a matter of judgment. God has commanded it. And so when elderships take it upon themselves to say that assembling on the first day of the week is a matter of judgment and not basically uh, a command because of this virus, they're misusing what the Bible teaches on this particular subject. Now notice, if you want to properly apply this idea, you would do it like this. The eldership has the authority to tell us that we're going to assemble in the parking lot. They've got that authority. Not another eldership can do that. They can't say, okay, all churches of Christ will meet in the parking lot from now on. They can't do that. But our eldership can. They cannot tell us that we cannot assemble on the Lord's Day but they can say we're going to meet in the parking lot. They can say we're going to meet out in the yard. They can say we're going to meet at other places. But they cannot tell us we cannot assemble together to obey God on the first day of the week. 
And so I'm thankful that God set things up because otherwise we could have had other elderships saying to us, you can't assemble on the Lord's Day. And I feel for the members of the Church of Christ who were actually told that by their leadership. And they were not allowed to assemble because there was no assembling. And they were told to go home and worship in your own homes and worship online. The last principle is that of obeying civil law, civil obedience. Of course, God created these, the three special institutions, first of all, the home, the oldest, and he set it up exactly the way it was supposed to be. He instituted government and also the church. Now, I want us to examine a few more quotes. When it comes to civil obedience, watch this. We are in a situation where the government has asked churches to stop assembling in an effect to curtail the spread of this virus. Some people are arguing we should obey God rather than men. That's Acts 5.29. They are misapplying this passage. I don't think they are. It goes on to say, now if the government forbids us to worship God, that would be a different matter. I would be the first to say we are not going to follow that. That is Acts 5.29. We are being told for the sake of our lives, for the sake of our neighbors and their lives, we want you to stop worshiping publicly, temporarily. Let me ask you something. Can Acts 5.29 be properly applied in this present situation? You remember the context of Acts 5.29? You remember what happened? In Acts 5.28, saying, Did not we strictly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. You remember the apostles were told to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. The city was in an uproar. Stop preaching in the name of Jesus. We command you. And so they threatened them. They eventually beat them for preaching in the name of Jesus. But, but the idea behind all of this and why this answer is given in Acts 5.29, which Peter and the other apostles answered and said we ought to obey God rather than man, is anytime man tells you not to do what God has commanded you to do, whether it be preaching the gospel, whether it be assembling, whatever the case is. Anytime man's law conflicts with God's law, Christians always obey God's law. God's law is higher than man's law. Yes, God expects us to obey man's law, but when man's law conflicts with his law, we always obey God's law. So God has commanded Christians to assemble on the first day of the week. I just gave you several passages. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 18 and verse 20. 1 Corinthians 14, 23. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. Acts 20, verse 7. Hebrews 10, 25. And there are many others that we showed you in some of the other studies. So if our government tells us not to worship, we obey God rather than man. But also, if man tells us not to assemble for worship, we obey God 
rather than man. So I believe that Acts 5.29 applies to both. Here's the thing. A lot of people are saying, well, this is all about worship. It's about worship. As long as we're worshiping, wherever we're worshiping, it's okay. Whether we're divided, we're in our homes, it's all okay. But really this matters more about assembling to worship. Assembling in one place as God's commanded. Now let's examine another statement that was made. He said, we have not canceled worship. And they didn't. That's true. No one can cancel worship. That's true. We have canceled the public assembly. Now wait a minute. God commanded a public assembly to be had on the first day of the week. And we have relocated it. We are relocating, which there's nothing wrong with that if you mean we've relocated the assembly. Okay? But here's the problem. Rearranging so that it is done at home. That's the problem. When you rearrange the public assembly, that's a problem when you start doing that. And so you don't want to rearrange the public assembly. That's not in harmony with God's law. Looks like I missed a quote here. Okay, there it is. God gave governing authorities the privilege, the right, the authority to protect its citizens. That's true. These laws, these bans that have been instituted to do, have been instituted to do exactly what God intended for government to do. That is to protect the lives of the citizens, completely consistent with the will of God. The problem is, these laws, these bans are not completely consistent with God's will because God has commanded us to assemble on the first day of the week and these laws, these bans are telling us not to assemble unless we assemble in numbers of nine or less. That's not consistent with God's law. That puts, uh, that's in conflict with God's law and so we must decide which one we're going to obey. Now, the one that I just mentioned, we have canceled the public assembly. That's where the problem is. And we are relocating, that means sending the members to their own homes, relocating like we did to the parking lot. There's nothing wrong with that because we were still assembling publicly. But the other way is not authorized. Rearranging, in other words, Here's the problem. First, they cancel the public assembly that God has commanded. They relocate the worship, which is, which is okay as long as the church meets in the same place. That same place, like I said, could be in a parking lot, could be in someone's house, all the congregation in one house. It could be in a field. It could be a number of places as long as they assemble together. The problem is they rearranged the assembly, and so they made it changed it from being a public assembly to being a private assembly. Now, we all have enough sense to realize there's a big difference in a public assembly and a private assembly. A public assembly, for one thing, the whole public is invited. The doors are open, y'all come, everyone. Private, it's not so much the same, is it? It's a private assembly. 
So they've changed the assembly from public to private. And we learned a long time ago that when God specifies a thing, that is all that he will accept. Remember, God gives his commands. Some are specific and some are generic. When God gives a generic command, it would be like if God said, make music. Then we could make music with mechanical instruments. We could sing. It would be up to us. But when God said sing, that eliminated all other types of music. And to prove that, many times we go back to Nadab and Abihu, two great examples. Uh, this one and also Noah. Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them as censure and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. Well, fire is fire, right? I know it burned. But there's a, there was a difference. God wanted his fire, the fire that never went out, uh, to be used. He had a specific fire that he had commanded them to use. They just used another fire, a strange fire, an unauthorized fire. And with it, God was not pleased. Verse 2, we see, And there went out fire from the Lord, and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Fire is fire, worship worship. What's the difference? Public, private, it's still worship, right? You've changed the worship. God has commanded us to come together on the first day of the week collectively to practice public worship. They have said that because of the present distress, we're going to practice private worship. I think we need to go back to Leviticus 9 and 10, uh, 10 verses 1 and 2. Also remember what we've said many times about Noah. When God said for him to build the ark out of gopher wood, he specified the type wood that he wanted used. To use any other kind of wood would have been a violation of God's law. Noah could have argued, well, wood's wood. What difference does it make? The difference is God's authorized gopher wood and not all these other kinds of woods in the forest. When God authorized public worship on the Lord's Day, we're to come together. That's what he's authorized. Many have altered God's command by offering private worship instead of public. I believe this is another case of adding to and subtracting from God's word, which we've been warned not to do. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 6, Revelation 20, verse 18 and 19, and a host of other places. So what they're actually doing is changing the worship from public to private. That's unauthorized. Is it okay to worship privately on the Lord's Day? You worship publicly, you can worship privately as many times as you want to on the Lord's Day. Or you can worship on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But there's that time when we've been commanded to all come together in one place to assemble as a congregation collectively to worship God publicly. The first principle Love and concern for others, Matthew 7, verse 12. Misapplied. He said, friends, that is the point that we are making. Out of love and concern and mercy toward our fellow man, then we are setting aside gathering together. The problem with that is, if you say that we can't assemble because we'd be violating the golden rule. 
What does that say about all the members that continue to assemble like us? Oh, did we violate the golden rule? Mm -mm. There's got to be something wrong with that teaching. The golden rule properly applied. If you know that you have been with this situation that we have right now, if you know that you have been exposed to someone that has tested positive for COVID-19, or you have symptoms of COVID-19, or you have contracted COVID-19, and you assemble with the church, then you are not practicing the golden rule. That's using that principle with our, in our situation properly. Old Testament principle of quarantine, Leviticus 13. Remember, that's when they quarantined the ones who had symptoms of leprosy and the ones that had leprosy. Misapplied. Here it is. We are practicing a biblical proven method of disease containment. Are you really? Wait a minute. Y'all have, y'all have quarantined the healthy church. That's not what I read in Leviticus 13. In Leviticus 13, those that had symptoms of the disease and those that had the disease, they were the ones that were quarantined. Not the healthy people. So, you want to use that properly, you would do it this way. Quarantine those that have been exposed to some that have COVID-19 and those that have symptoms of COVID-19 and those that have COVID-19. Isn't that simple? I mean, if you want to use it, it's a good principle and we are actually practicing that principle. But don't quarantine the healthy church and say you can't assemble and you can't worship even though you're healthy, that, you can't go to Leviticus 13 and do it that way. Now, the closest thing to that would be spiritually, if you spiritually quarantine those who are living in sin, members of the church, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and will not repent, if you want to take the spiritual side of it. Consistency. Misapplied. He says, maybe the circumstances preventing us today is one in which because of mercy, we are trying not to spread the disease. Basically saying again that we didn't have mercy because we continued to assemble. But we are not forsaking the assembly. That's the point. We can still worship in our homes, but because we are not coming together, we are not forsaking the assembly. Well, what else would you call it? By his own words, he said this. Now, a person who forsakes the assembly is a person who chooses not to be there. Now, are they not, did they not choose to go home, stay at home, and not assemble? It was a choice they made. They could have assembled. Other congregations that have not been assembling, they could have assembled. It might would have been wise for them to assemble in the parking lot, do something different than coming together in a building, but the command to assemble was there, still there and they could have. So they chose, many leaderships of the church chose for the members not to assemble. And so he says, now a person who forsakes to assemble is a person who chooses not to be there. We chose to be here. That's the difference. They chose not to be there. We chose to be here. That not a, that's not a person who cannot be here. Well, is it the case that they could not assemble? Or they chose to not assemble. Well, the elders made that decision for the congregation. It's not a person who chooses. Uh, it, it's not a person who chooses not to be here. Properly applied. 
If you cannot assemble on the Lord's day because of things beyond your control, remember he used several examples. He used Acts 8, the church scared abroad. He said they didn't assemble, but they didn't assemble as the church of Jerusalem, but I'm sure they assembled because they went everywhere preaching the gospel. He used Paul when he was in his, uh, under house arrest, but also again the Bible says that as many as wanted to came into Paul and he, he taught them about the kingdom and things like that. So I'm not sure that he could even prove some of those things. John on the Isle of Patmos, I don't know what was going on there. The Bible really doesn't say on, the, on that. Uh, but there are times when people could not assemble. For example, when Paul and Silas were cast into prison, uh, in jail in um, Acts chapter 16. Well, if that had been on the Lord's day, they could not have assembled with the church because they were in jail. We understand that. There are times, there are things that are beyond our control, and when those things are taking place, you are not forsaking. I gave a few examples. If you're sick, you're not forsaking. If you're taking care of the sick, you're not forsaking. If you're in jail, you're not forsaking. If your car breaks down on the way, you're not forsaking. There, there's a lot of things that can be going on in our lives when we just cannot be here. But if you could, you'd be here. But you can't be here. That's not forsaking. But for a healthy, well-being brethren to choose not to assemble because of mercy to prevent the spread of corona is not consistent. That's not being consistent. If that's the case, guess what? When the flu season comes, you won't assemble then either. Not if you're going to be consistent. Because look how many people the flu kills every year. And then you could just go on with that. That's not being consistent. Autonomy. Misapplied. Elders can't change God's command. They don't have the authority to do that. But when judgment comes into play, God has put matters of judgment into their, uh, the hands of the elders. Here is the point, he says, that I am making. It comes down to a matter of judgment. Well, that's way off base in the first place. This is not a matter of judgment. So when it comes to autonomy, being autonomous does not mean that an eldership can make a command of God into judgment. You can't do it. You can't treat God's word that way. Properly applied, if you want to go with this autonomy principle, because of the autonomy of the church, other elderships cannot shut the doors of the church at Fairhope because of COVID-19. Now that's using autonomy and the principle of it properly based on the present situation that we've been under. And then the civil law obedience, civil obedience, misapplied. He said, we are in a situation where the government has asked churches to stop assembling in an effect to curtail the spread of this virus. We are being told for the sake of our lives, for the sake of our neighbors and their lives, we want you to stop worshiping publicly temporarily. We cannot stop worshiping publicly temporarily for that reason. And when we continue to assemble, we're obeying God rather than man. He also said, we have not canceled worship. No one can cancel worship. We have canceled the public assembly. You don't have authority to do that. Elderships don't have that authority. And we are relocating, rearranging, meaning we're going to have you worship at home, on your own, online, so that it is done at home. 
they're giving in to the civil law when the civil law conflicts with God's law. That's the misapplied principle. We are to obey the civil law. Properly applied, obey civil law until it violates God's law. When it violates God's law, we don't obey man's law. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. Five very good principles, all misapplied. May we be very careful. May we be very careful not to misapply biblical truths. We need to study scripture in their context. We need to see what, what they're saying. You remember, interpretation first, and then application when possible. Don't lift it out of its context. Don't take and misapply these biblical principles. We need to be extremely careful when it comes to studying God's word. May we be very diligent students and may we not let the situations around us cause us to misuse, mishandle the Word of God. We can do that unintentionally, as I believe was, was done here. And I believe it's been done by many in the Brotherhood uh, because, really, my opinion is because of the way this virus was handled. It was not the virus itself, even though it's very dangerous. It's very contagious, but the way it was handled put people into a panic, not just in the United States, not just in the church, but throughout the whole world. Now, a lot of that panic is leaving because there's more information. And so, remember this, always stick with God's Word. What does God's Word say? And then we'll be okay. If you're here this evening and you have